Welcome to Mindful Social, the show that intersects mindfulness and emotional intelligence with the hectic online world we live in today. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Mindful Social. I have Mark Lesser with me, and I'm so excited because I have learned an incredible amount from this man as a Search Inside Yourself instructor and former CEO and just... Mark's pretty amazing, and I think he has written, how many books have you written, Mark? This is my fourth. Four. So that's a lot. And uh, I think he has a lot of insight to share with us, and I hope that you will listen and learn from Mark. So welcome. Thank you, Janet. That's very, uh, very sweet, very generous of you. not at all. Well, tell us a little bit about the book and how you got here? Well, let's see. I was born in New Jersey. Um, <laughs> actually, I'm, 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 um, I'm kind of hiding some of my excitement because I, literal, I literally just got the book mm. and saw it for the first time. Um, it, it, it's so funny. It, UPS just dropped it in front of my house. It looks like like it must have been dropped off at various points all around the world. It, like <laughs> this box was soaking wet and some of the books are wet, but, but there's enough good ones that it's fine. <laughs> Anyhow, it's, I'm, I'm excited to, to get the book, but, but actually, you know, I'm, I'm joking, obviously, you know, about being born in New Jersey, but, but books, I, I think most people who write books must feel this way, but this book in, for, in particular for me feels like it's not a memoir um you know it's a book about uh about mindful leadership but it certainly has much of my much of my life is in here and two two particular points of my life play um major roles the the time i spent uh, uh leading and growing search inside yourself and the a lot of the work that i somehow miraculously found myself uh, doing at Google and and then kind of uh, many 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 years before that the uh, the years that I spent living uh, living and running the kitchens the kitchen at uh, Tassahara Zen Mountain Center which was when I was in my 20s and mm. and and in in my mind it was a a relatively direct path although in truth, kind of a windy path, but uh, but in some way, uh, the book feels like an integration of of those times. I I learned I learned so much about work and about work as practice or practice as work, particularly in that kitchen and that kitchen experience. And I always that was always in my uh, in my body in some way the. I always kind of went back to this is this is what this is what work is or this is what what work practice what we now call you know uh, mindful mindful leadership uh, this is what it feels feels like and looks like for me. Hmm. Hmm. Well, let's start there with Tassahara and you know your experiences there. Um, I'm assuming that you did a lot of silent work. Um, uh, yeah, but, you know, it's funny, people often, uh, people picture, you know, monastic life, 
as being a very silent and there is there is a good deal of silence but there's there's a lot of communication and talking and laughing and playing it's i feel like it's also incredibly uh lively place and and the kitchen yes you could if you could walk into the kitchen and um it could be completely quiet and and silent more more likely if you walked into the kitchen there'd be a lot of activity there might mm. not be right and the and the talking wouldn't be chit chat it wouldn't be people wouldn't be talking about you know how was the super bowl um but there might be a good deal of of conversation and communication happening about how are we going to season the soup or sure. or what's the what's the what's the plan what's the schedule for 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 kind of uh yeah for for making particular meals or so there there was a good deal of communication but yeah it was um maybe uh it would be fair to say it was a very very focused environment there was a real there was a real emphasis on um being being present being with what you were doing um but there's also i'd say a real presence on being with other people and and supporting others that there was a a real um awareness of what others were doing and how how you could help help others and su- support empower mm. well i've always believed just in my years as a chef i will always believe that it's a collaborative food is a collaborative thing and that if you don't take a lot of care with being present with what you're creating it doesn't come out as well as maybe you think that it could I, I would also say, you know, again, this might sound, you know, a little like a Hallmark card, but um, there was a lot of love. Things mm-hmm. were done. Things were done with a tr- with a tremendous amount of love and care, and 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 a sense, um, a sense of service, you know. And and in part, I think the um, the traditions and rituals and routines um, there was very much um, often actually stopping and doing rituals like um uh like you know chanting the heart sutra or reading reading uh a dogen who was the the founder of uh, of zen in japan wrote a a piece called instructions to the head cook mm. in which in which in the 13th century he says the head cook should always work continually with three minds with joyful mind grandmother mind and wise mind and and on and in the middle of the kitchen were kind of the chinese characters for those three minds Mm. and and um and this was this was the uh, sensibility not just for the head cook but for how everyone should be working together in the kitchen so it was very you know aspirational in 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 that way mm-hmm. uh, but there was a uh a real um aspiration to to really work in you know with those three minds how can we bring those three minds then into a modern hectic crazy workplace yeah well you know though the interesting thing is that uh, the tasar kitchen was also 
kind of crazy and hectic often, right? Mm -hmm. It was, this was like, uh, it, like it have, it sounds like you have some, some kitchen experience. There's something about kitchens. Uh, there's some, well, there's the combination of, uh, there's always the deadlines, um, and, um, and there's the complexity of, you know, of food ingredients, anything can happen, and the uh, complexity of people doing things, doing things together. Mm -hmm. uh, so, in a way, um, it, it was not not a big stretch to take the the feeling, the routines, the 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 mindset of the Tassar kitchen into working any place, and and I, and I and I think. Um, in some way, I think it's more uh, kind of embo embodying that way of being, embodying the, um, you know, loving the work that you're doing, mm -hmm. and and having a kind of um, a kind of willingness and confidence to meet whatever will come up with with a sense of bring it on, and uh, yeah. And, and, and I think a sense of uh, something greater than, than the individuals that were producing, producing something of, of service, something that will be of service and a, a positive thing in the, in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there, there's that sense of collaboration and, and teamwork, but also community in a kitchen that, you know, when you are being of service, it, it really gives you an amazing feeling. And, and we used to call it the dance because, you know, when you get ready to the rush of dinner and everybody has to coordinate everything. Mm -hmm. So the translation to a workplace, yeah. an office. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, um, the, the Tassari kitchen had a few, um, uh, you know, there, there were a few particularities about it that even upped the, the ante in terms of you know potential pressure, potential stress. One, one was that it was a very remote location, mm -hmm. and that if uh, if somehow you ran out of something, you 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 had to improvise. You had to figure out what to do. Uh, the, the other is that in in that environment, um, generally uh, in kitchens, you know when the meal is ready, the bell rings or you you announce. But there when the bell rings, it's expected that the meal's going to be ready. <laughs> <laughs> Small detail. It's a, it's a funny, it's a funny little, it's a funny little detail. Uh, especially um, when, when preparing meals for the students, there's a, there's a, like this whole kind of very um, routinized clock, you know, there's a very particular time when it's expected that each meal is going to be served and it can be, it can be kind of interesting at times, you know, what to do when it's that time and the potatoes are not cooked. <laughs> oh, let's, let's quickly, let's quickly steam some cabbage. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, Working alive under fire. Yeah. So uh -huh. I think, I, I, I think though, um, uh, my, my point is, is that, you know, uh, you know, every, every work, every work situation is, is different and unique, but there's, there's a tremendous amount in, in common. Mm. And that the things that we do in any workplaces, you know, are mostly, it's, 
a, a variety of no, a variety of activities. No, I, 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 I would, I would grant you people when, when I, I've talked about this a lot. Kitchen work, kitchen work does have the benefit that kitchen work has in general is that it's very physical, right? It's a, it's, it's a body activity. Um, so much of the activities that are in today's workplaces are much more um, intellectual or cog cognitive, mm -hmm. and. And I, I would I would grant that, and I've noticed it's it can be more difficult um, to bring it. So it takes it. I, I notice as I'm as I'm trying to convey this, I'm very much feeling like here I am talking to you. I'm sitting at a desk. I'm at a computer. But there's a sense of feeling embodied. We're st I'm in it. Like, does it is it really that different? That mm. my bot is my my body here. Um, I'm sitting here in front of a computer, or if I'm standing at the counter at the Tassara kitchen, you know, cutting carrots or making soup. Um, yeah, there's some there's some advantages to a bit more physicality, but it's also not not so different. Hmm. I think that's interesting because you know when you are working in a kitchen, you have all of the components are all coming together, and we all know what our goal is. Mm -hmm. It's get the potatoes cooked. Um, <laughs> so we have to, we have very definite goals and there's a much bigger idea of the movement in the direction that we're going. Mm -hmm. But when we work in companies and organizations, I think people really lose track of their role in the overall success of the company. Mm -hmm. And how can we as leaders kind of imbue that and help people to realize what their place is? Yeah. Well, I think that that one to me feels relatively easy. I mean, there's there's all kinds of challenges, but uh, I, I think, you know, one, we need to have a clear vision of what it is we're doing and where we're where we're going. And there needs and, and part of the role of the this is you know maybe stating the obvious, but it's funny how often it doesn't happen is for the leader to keep to keep one to come back to that, that this this greater vision of what what it is we're doing as an organization and then to really to keep time making the connections clear for you know what each person's role is in in that and and even even at a more granular level so that it be you know and again this is this is you have the same uh you have the same issue in the kitchen you know there's the, the majority of the time spent in a kitchen is in the prep work, you mm -hmm. know, hours and hours and hours of planning and chopping and prepping. And it's only at the very end, you know, the last that it's all kind of put together over the fire or in the oven and comes together, you know, and, and, and often it's different people. It's a whole different crew mm -hmm. doing, doing that. And, um, but, um, you know, I used to love, you know, I, 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 I've been on prep crews often and it's really fun. You know, then you sit down and have the soup and you're kind of noticing, oh, these are beautiful little, look how these carrots are cut. You know, even though most people would pay no attention to that. And, and I think it's, I think it's very similar. Um, there's a sense of, of a part of practice part of mindfulness practice that maybe doesn't get talked about so much is, is seeing how everything matters. Every, not, not, not picking and choosing quite so much, not 
Mm-hmm. You know, a part of a non-dual mindset is is seeing that that everything is important. Um, in fact, there's this. Um, as I say this, I think of there's a beautiful lecture by um, Shinru Suzuki, who was the founder of the Zen Center, and Tassahara is part of the Zen Center. And in one of his lectures, he says something like, you know, a a lion uh, or a, a tiger catches a mouse with its full energy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he uses this as an example that we, whatever we're doing, we should do with our full attention and full energy. And, in, and then in particular, when it comes to dealing with difficulties and problems to, to say, oh, that's a small problem. And, and to, to, not, to not say, oh, that's a small problem and to ignore it. Mm-hmm. That, 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 we, that this, this um, practice of, of really paying attention and, and making sure that we are facing even what appears like the small difficulties, the small miscommunications, the small ouches and, and little hurts here and there that, that happen. Because I, th- I think this, this so much is, this is, now we're talking about, well, what's the practice? Well, the practice is, whether it's in a kitchen or it's at Google, it's how we work with other people and mm-hmm. how, we, how we deal with our emotions and um, uh, getting, uh, getting hurt, not feeling heard, not feeling seen, and being able to work work um, skillfully with with those human those human issues and and it's one thing to say you know you know of the 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 seven practices of a mindful leader the first is love the work well it's hard to love the work because we're working with other people and it means it means there's a certain skill set. Um, yeah, of of actually uh, effectively staying staying connected, staying in a place where we can be trusting, open, loving, aligned with the people that we work with. That we mm. work. Yeah. yeah, that's that's very very much a challenge, and especially if you're a leader in a position of managing a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, being able to stay in touch with that. And letting them know that you're in touch with that, which I think is absolutely crucial and doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. Well, it means, it means, um, you know, there's always, you know, I, I, I actually spent some time recently. I, I went, I went and I did a retreat at Tassahara uh, last year mm-hmm. um, and spent three months at Tassahara. And of course, um, the job that I was assigned for for each afternoon was to be in charge of the kitchen and um, and there's an inherent tension right when um, you know I, I, I come into the kitchen and and here's the assignment for the afternoon and it was a lot had to get done and um, and then my I meet with my crew and I'm asking a lot I realize I'm asking a lot I'm asking them to work hard I'm asking them to accomplish a lot and at the same time I need to see that these are people these are Mm -hmm. people coming with whatever they you know whatever their concerns and 
feelings. And, and, and I, I noticed, I, I remember one day in particular, I'm laying out this, all the assignments and I would, and I would have to, you know, cop to that. Yes, I'm asking, I'm asking a lot of you all and I love you all. I see you as people. I know, you know, we, 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 we may not be able to meet this goal. Maybe we need more people. Maybe I'm asking too much. That's possible. Maybe we will, we won't finish this today, but here's, here's what we have to finish and, and we'll have to figure out what we're going to do as we go along, because this is what has to get done. I don't want you all to be stressed, but I'd like you to be really focused. I'd like us to really focus today in getting all this done. And I notice this tension around the, the, there is some tension around getting stuff done and loving people. Um, mm -hmm. And then trying to create a way that we're all in this together. You know, this isn't, this isn't me, this isn't just me laying this on you. Like, are, are, are you, are, is everyone, are we all, are we all in? Are we all into to getting this stuff done this afternoon? Mm. I love that. We don't see that very often in the workplace or sometimes we do, but not, not as often as we'd like. And, and uh, I think the more distant the corporate entities are, the harder it is for the lower level managers to say that. That's right. It, right. It, so it's, this is, um, uh, the, the first words of my book are the uh, Peter Drucker quote of that culture eat strategy for breakfast. <laughs> and, and, and this is that, that, um, you know, it's easy to say people get it, but it, it takes a lot of attention and skill, um, and practice. I think it's more than skill. I think it's more it's more that embodiment to create a strong, a strong culture where there, where there really is a sense of trust and alignment and, and being able to deal openly with, uh, with doubt and difficulty and what's not working. And, you know, and, and it's not like, and it's not like, well, once you've created this culture, then you can rest. It's all <laughs> you're done. You're done. No, it's, 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 a, it's a constant and, you know, and you're, you're, you're constantly going to make mistakes and um, they'll be a part of leadership. One of the great skills of leadership, I think, is, um, is apologizing when you've um, uh, let people down or hurt people, even if that was totally not your, uh, not your intention. But, but again, this, this whole uh, process of creating a strong culture um, is... Uh, not not easy and so important. Mm -hmm. And bringing that level of humanity back again and again and again as part of the practice. Yeah, and that and that it's uh, and it's not the soft skill. It's not. In fact, it's the that's the hard stuff. It's funny language we talk we we talk about working with feelings and emotions. We call it the soft skills, but no, that's hard. Um, you know, of course, of course, we need to be good at the, you know, whatever the cognitive skills are, whether, whether it's, you know, taking how we take care of customers or, or creating new products or coding, whatever those are, those are, those are very important skills as, as well. But I remember, I remember someone at Google pointing out to me that, you know, you could have five brilliant uh, engineers who are working on a project, but if they're not 
trusting each other, if they're not communicating well, what you're going to get is a really crappy product hmm. that you, you, you have to have that, that level of collaboration and trust in order to get really good results. That's really interesting because I had a discussion last night um, with a group of people who mo were mostly engineers and they were saying how they felt completely siloed that, you know, everyone in the organization was working on a different aspect of a project, but they didn't know what each other was working on. And then they would get together. And, you know, for me, it's that story of the old men that approach the elephant and one gets the tail and one gets the trunk and they all decide that it's something different. How are we supposed to be productive, but also really fulfilled by a job that we don't have a complete end in mind? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think um, this is where that uh, creating great cultures comes into place. Because again, um, it's actually, you know, it's, it's no different than the Tassar kitchen, where you walk in and everyone's working on a different project, right? And, you know, someone over here is, um, you know, uh, cutting the almonds that um, three processes later are going to end up on the top of the dessert. Good point. And, and yet, um, so one is a realization that while you're cutting those almonds, um, you know, you have a sense of where it, it, it's, it's a bit paradoxical, right? It's like, on the one hand, you're just cutting the almonds, but on the other hand, you have a sensibility of the, of the larger picture. And you realize that, you know, the top of the cake is just one part of a greater meal and that mm. you're connected. You feel your connection to the, to the whole meal. And, and again, I think that kind of communication and sensibility is important in, in all of our workplaces. It's this, you know, it's very, you know, it obviously can be, you know, um, but it's, I think it's, it's usually some, some version of that, whether you're making a cake or building jet engines, you know, it's, um, you, every person is doing their piece. Um, now, someone, and usually this is where the, the role of leadership um, has that greater perspective, but part of the role of leadership is to impart that perspective so that everyone can at least share share and and what and how what they're doing contributes to the to the greater whole to the greater perspective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, love the work. <laughs> Do the work. Do the work and don't be an expert. <laughs> Connect to your connect to your pain. Mm -hmm. Connect to the pain of others. Uh, depend on others, and keep making it simpler. Mm. I love. It's funny. I you know these were um, these were first um, created communicated by my good friend uh, Norman Fisher, mm -hmm. uh, who I brought in to. Uh, instruct, teach Google, uh, Google engineers and Google employees to be mindfulness teachers. And, and these were what he spontaneously came up with, uh, these, um, these seven practices. And as soon as I heard them, I, I was like, these are great. I love these. And, 
I, I wrote them down and I, I actually put them on everyone's desk at the Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute. I was the CEO at the time and, and I started talking about them and writing about them and, 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 and a little by little, a book started to emerge and, um, and I started to feel, oh, this, I, I, I got to check with my friend Norman about this. And I called Norman and said, Norman, I'm, I'm, feeling funny because one of your teachings that you gave on these seven practices, I'm, I feel like they're starting to turn into a book and I want to make sure you're okay with that. And of course, Norman said, what seven practices? <laughs> <laughs> um, he literally did not know what I was talking about. And I read him the seven practices and he said, oh, those are pretty good. Um, good luck with your book and send me a copy. And so that was that. Was, <laughs> that, was that. <laughs> it's amazing how you can hear something that sticks with you so well. And, you know, you really do kind of create a lot of value around it, a lot of meaning around it. And with someone like Norman, it just kind of came out of his head and he forgot about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it was funny. It was actually the whole situation, you know, we, we, we invited him in, but I realized no one had quite told him exactly what we wanted him to do. And, and I was sitting at this uh, table with these a dozen or maybe I think there were 13 Google employees and, and Meng, Meng was on one side of me and Norman was on the other. And Meng had, had drawn up the, the agenda for the day's training. And I noticed next on the agenda, it says Norman gives talk. And, and I, and I was <laughs> like, I had a feeling that Norman didn't know this. And I, I very, you know, discreetly put, as, as Meng was talking, I, I put this piece of paper in front of Norman. He looks at it. He takes out a piece of paper. He takes out a pen and he jots down these seven practices and then wow. proceed, proceeds to give a, a, a you know, a, a 45 minute talk on them. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. You know, there are so many people who have minds that, are able to do that. And as a relatively novice teacher, for me, that's just amazing. <laughs> it's really just yeah. brilliant. Mm. Norman, Norman, is, um, Norman is really, you know, he's a poet uh, and a writer. And he's always, he's always doing that. He's always sort of generating these ideas and writing. And I, I remember once uh, I sat, you know, uh, a, a seven-day meditation retreat with with him and a group of people, and and at the very end of the retreat, um, it had finished, and and I was helping to kind of put things away in, in the in the room where we were all sitting together, and I was bringing some things back into uh, a cabin where Norman was staying, and I knocked on his door, and and as I opened the door, I saw the retreat was over. He had just given you know, seven talks we did, like he did like one talk a day and he's sitting at his desk with his yellow legal pad, writing, writing out whatever, wherever he was going, he was already writing his next talk. And I, mm. I, thought, I was just struck with how, um, how well he seemed to um, use his time and how these uh, I ideas seemed to just, you know, bubble up in him and he would write them down. Mm. That's pretty amazing. Well, Mark, I'd, I'd love for you to tell us who should read your book, besides everyone, obviously. 
Well, you know, I think, um, you know, the, I, I always struggled with this word leader. Um, even, you know, the Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute. This book is Seven Practices of a Mindful Leader. But I think it speaks to the leader in all of us. It speaks mm -hmm. to the part of us that has influence. Um, and again, I think whether we want to have influence or not, we do. Uh, I, I sometimes say it's the, it's the, uh, it's the, the law of, um, of influence that, um, that especially when we're in a, in a managerial or leadership role, but it's true even if you're on a team. It's certainly true if you have your own business or if you're a coach or a consultant. It, it's the law of influence that, that whatever you say and whatever you don't say and whatever you do and whatever you don't do will have influence on, on, on others. Um, so I think, um, I, I think the, uh, the book was really, in a way, intended to um, help, help take that, um, that mindset that I was referring to of, of, of kind of this embodied work, this working with others, this working with a sense of loving the work that I experienced in the Tassajara Kitchen, and then found that it was equally available um, in Google uh, mm -hmm. to be able to be able to bring that into your into your work and even beyond your work i mean it's the you know all of our relationships are like that they take that kind of that kind of work of that embodiment of um that kind of embodied consciousness embodied awareness mm. and where can people find the book now that you have them on your doorstep i mean <laughs> yeah other other than on my doorstep it uh, the book actually um, has a publishing date of February 12th, but it can mm -hmm. be pre-ordered right now. Um, and it's available anywhere, you know, buy it at your, it, it will be. It's probably um, coming into local bookstores right now, uh, but available online at, at any place people buy books. Um, it's pretty easy to get books these days. Wonderful. And where can people find out more about you and connect with you? Um, Mark... Lesser, M-A-R-C-L-E-S-S-E-R dot -E -E net is my, my recently relaunched website. Um, starting to populate it with all the different talks that I've done over the years. And um, yeah, that's where I can be found online. Wonderful. And I'll be sure to link to that in the blog post and uh, let people know with a couple of links where they can buy the book. Beautiful. Thank you, Janet. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you making the time. Yes, appreciate you making the time. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Mindful Social. As always, if there's something that you loved about the show or didn't like about the show, please let me know in the comments, send me an email at Janet at JanetFouts.com or reach out to me on Twitter at JFouts. And if you know someone who'd be a great guest on the show, I'd love to hear about it. Please do share the show with your friends if you enjoyed it. The more, the merrier. Thank you.